Hardy's two for five dollar breakfast bake goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just five dollars. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included. And welcome into the second edition this week of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Conway, at Colby R. Conway on Twitter. And with me, as always, here, my good friend, Matt Sells, at The Sells Man. Matt, how is everything going for you? Uh, things are well. It's a little rainy here in Lincoln today, but we need the rain. Saves me some chores of watering my plants. So that's that's always nice when Mother Nature can help out with my to-do list. That's That's pretty nice. More often than not, when Mother Nature gets involved, usually it's taking stuff away. You know, like baseball games get rained out, trips right. get postponed, everything like that. So it is, you know, I agree. It is nice when you get a little something positive coming from Mother Nature. And Mother Nature was not in the picture last night for the most part. And Matt, we got to talk about it because uh, I don't even know where to begin. But when you look at New York Yankees right-hander Domingo Herman, 15 earned runs over his previous five and a third innings going into two starts prior to his Wednesday night start against the Oakland Athletics. We're recording this here on Thursday morning-ish, early afternoon. So naturally, when you're five and a third innings in your previous two starts, Nets in 15 earned runs on 15 hits across just five and a third innings, naturally, you go out there and throw the 24th perfect game in Major League Baseball history. I mean... Baseball is as fickle as they come. We talk about it all the time. It was against Oakland, so you could see how there was a path to success. But, I mean, like I said, 15 earned runs in five and a third innings in two starts prior to that. Then he comes out, doesn't allow a single barrel, nine strikeouts, second highest mark on the season for him. And again, 24th perfect game in Major League history. I don't know what to say other than what the hell happened. Yeah, I don't know. Talk about, like, the least expected perfect game ever. Like, do we ever expect a perfect game? Not necessarily, like, there's a line, you know, this guy's got no-hit stuff every time he goes out. But, again, you know, no, there's been 24 of these things, and the first one in 11 years, because Felix Hernandez was the last one uh, to throw a perfecto. The Yankees now have 16.6% of all perfect games thrown in baseball history. They have four of them. Uh Nifty little fact, every pitcher for the Yankees that has thrown a perfect game, their first name starts with a D. Don Larson, David Wells, David Cohn, and Domingo Hermont. There you go. Interesting. But this may be the most controversial perfect game ever. I mean, Domingo, not really liked by Yankees fans or haters, right? For a variety of reasons, off-field stuff, on-field stuff. He was booed off the mound at home last start because he allowed 10 earned runs. And now he goes out and throws. And then and then you've also got the fact that people are arguing that this shouldn't count because it's a triple-A lineup, right? So, like, <laughs> this might be the most controversial perfect game ever. It's still a perfect game. Um, Kyle Higashioka now has caught the last two no-hitters for the Yankees, which is – a pretty nifty story too so it was it was exciting to see i got to stay up and watch it because you know central time zone not too late for me um but i do have to i i do want to pick your brain on on a couple of things here colby because we saw that clip of the pirates uh padres game going around last night 
in which um, what the on-deck batter for the Padres ran in front of the catcher to go pick up mm-hmm. the bat that the batter had just left uh, there, which I didn't know you were allowed to do during a play that you could just run out in front of a catcher from the on-deck circle and not get called for anything. I know the play wasn't at home, but it still seems odd. And then K-Bear Ruiz for the Nats gets called out of the baseline when trying to score against the Mariners while simultaneously running through the back of the right-handed batter's box because he avoided the tag of the catcher. So I I don't know what to make of of what's going on around home plate right now in, in baseball. Yeah, there's some weird stuff there. I can tell you as a former catcher, I was always taught, you know, the batter hits the ball, drops the bat, bat flip, whatever they want to do. The bat's there in play. You need to remove that yourself as the catcher because, right. God forbid, the throw comes in, it short hops, hits that bat, you're not getting it. So, Or the, or the opposing runner trips over the bat. Well. Or you trip over the bat. Not that, ideal either. True. I mean, in a perfect world, sure, they trip over it by me some time. But yeah, as a catcher, if that bat was there, I I would always move it out of the way because I needed that. I couldn't have that added obstruction there right. for the sake of a, a short hop. Now, it was Cronenworth, I believe, running in front of yep. the catcher. Very odd. Typically, the on-deck guy just stands back a little bit and, you know, they're doing one of these or one of these or, you know, whatever they want to do to say slide or stay up or you're good. Running in front of the catcher is odd. I agree. We get to a it bat that's awesome. behind the catcher. It yeah. wasn't even in front of the catcher. It was it weird. Was... <laughs> it was weird. I'm surprised the catcher didn't get rid of it. I mean, maybe they knew the play wasn't coming there anyway. No clue. But yeah, I would have removed it myself. But, you know, weird. Home plate's weird. At this point, the, the baseline, the base pass, where they can run, where they can't run, it's all arbitrary. It's a free-for-all out there. It's It, it, it depends on those three or four umps that are out there that they they're the ones they get to make the call. That's just that's what it comes down to from field to field. It's going to be different. And it's it's so interesting when you see stuff like this happen, because I can't tell you how many times when I played, you know, you're on second base, base hit to the outfield. You're trying to get home. Right. You know how wide some people take it around third. That's the other thing. If you watch the clip in the Pirates game, the Pirates runner is rounding third base and he's like nine feet into the grass like He's closer to the dugout than he is to the third baseline, and there was no problem there. But K-Bear runs in in the line, runs through the right-handed batter's box, and avoids the tag and is still called out. I've In 30-plus in years of watching baseball, I've never seen a guy. If he had slid, I guarantee you he would not have been called out. I would probably agree with you on, on that statement. And, and I think he, being a catcher, he doesn't want to do catcher-on-catcher catcher crime by running the opposing catcher over. Yeah, with mutual respect there. Right? So, like, what's he supposed to do? Just give himself up? I guess. And I don't know what to say of it. But let me go back to Domingo Herman quick. If you do want to look for something there, highest rate of curveball of his yep. usage in his pitch mix and lowest with his sinking fastball, which – Maybe there's something to build upon there. I mean, I don't really know how you build upon a perfect game, but maybe that pitch mix worked for him. Again, it was Oakland, so I'd like to see it in a second start again. Sure. But Murphy's Law at this point says the next time he comes out here, he's going to get shellac for 600 runs. Uh-huh. I saw tweets that, like, I can't I can't wait for – I was rooting for that to happen so I could stack against him in DFS in his next start. Yep. I couldn't Probably agree true. 
We'll talk about greatness a little bit later, too, on a slightly different uh, topic in Major League Baseball. But a couple quick injury news to talk about. Some back tightness seems to be going around a little bit in Pittsburgh. Third base extraordinaire, Cabrian Hayes, is going to go to the IL. Back tightness, back inflammation, uh, mid-back muscle strain, however you want to call it. Back issue is pushing him to the IL and fellow third baseman in the same division, Nolan Arenado, left Wednesday night's game with lower back tightness as well, calling him day-to-day, did miss some time last year with it. Uh, At least we know Hayes is going to miss time. Arenado's status is up in the air, but long-term, I don't think this is anything fantasy managers should be overly concerned about. No, somebody should get these guys a mattress deal. Like, (laughs) you know, we've seen a rash of these going around now. We've had uh, Byron Buxton we talked about has some back tightness. We've seen Victor Robles on and off the IL and back on again due to back tightness. Um, We've seen some other guys, you know, miss some starts here and there due to it. It's to me, this is kind of one of those things that pops up in the summer, right? You've been going full tilt for a while now. Temps are starting to get warmer. You know, it's easier to tweak stuff in warmer temp. Let's say you're a little dehydrated, your muscles, uh, tighten themselves up a little bit. Not not overly concerned about either of these. Yep, I think that's right. And then one that'll keep him out for the year, Matthew Boyd undergoing Tommy John for throwing a pitch skyrocketed above the catcher's head. And you could tell right away, he looked right down. That arm was pretty stationary. So Tommy John, he'll be done this year. Probably a good chunk of next year as well. Tigers might be getting Tark Scooble back soon, so maybe that's an upgrade to the rotation. Never want to see someone get hurt. But Matthew Boyd at this point, dynasty, everything. It's it I hate to say it, but it, it's gotta be almost over for him. Yeah, basically. Like he was pitching so so when he was healthy. Um and let's face it, the Tigers are a little ways away from having a solid team. They've got some solid prospects. I've talked about a few of them on this pod and in my weekly prospect report. Um, they're probably going to get another good one in this draft that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Um, but they're still, he's not getting a whole lot of help from the offense. So even if he came back middle of next year, it's not like it's a huge, uh, uh, you know, boost to any fantasy roster. So I would just let him sit out there until he's healthy. I think that's the move. 32 year old guy going for Tommy John, who's had noted arm issues throughout the majority of his career. Not overly positive, but Matt, second edition of the week, you know what that is. It's time down on the farm with Matt Sells. So Matt, I did not put this question in the show sheet because I wanted to catch you off guard because I have to know what is your preference for jello shots? It's been so long since I've had a jello shot. Um, apparently, if you go to Rocco's, though, they're just giving those suckers away. Like, there's records of uh, LSU topped, what, 30 something thousand jello shots during the College World Series their fans did. That's a lot. Um, I don't know, maybe watermelon? Mm. Watermelon's usually a pretty good jello flavor. So, I will take any jello shot without tequila. Any other alcohol is fine, or any other liquor is fine. No tequila. See, I will do it as long as it's not vodka. Nope, I draw the line at tequila. That is not, that is not, that is not for me. But don't mind a good Jello shot every now and again. Don't get my hands on them too much. But when I do, as long as it's not tequila, sign me up. So, Matt, obviously you do all the prospect stuff here at Fantasy Alarm. A lot of great stuff there. Everybody should be checking it out. There's even a little 
paid homage there to Jello Shots in the opening sentence of this week's prospect report. But Matt, obviously, we saw a great college world series altogether highlighted by LSU and Florida in the finals. So I got to ask, simply put, from a fantasy perspective, long term, who was your favorite prospect that we saw in that series or just from one of those two teams even? So it's hard not to go with Paul Skeens, right? Mm -hmm. Like the guy was just masterful all season, and then he got to the postseason and didn't disappoint. In fact, he saved his best uh, for the last couple starts he had. Um, That Wake Forest series was phenomenal. He and Rhett Lauder went pitch for pitch in that whole series. Dylan Cruz obviously didn't do badly. He's a Golden Spikes winner for baseball, so best player in college baseball, that's the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy. Um, it's hard to give Florida a whole lot of ups because they didn't really score a whole lot, right? So you got to put it on the LSU pitching staff. The final was 18 to – the last game was 18 to 2 win for LSU. Not ideal, right? So I'm going to go with – it's hard not to go with the easy answer here, but it's Paul Skeens. I think that's the right pick as well. And then in this week's prospect report – or yeah, the prospect report as I'm looking at it here, you're really looking at the 2023 MLB draft class. And in previous editions behind the dish as a former catcher, I am biased to talking about this position, but you had mentioned that you really like Kyle Teal, even calling him your favorite catcher in the draft. But you did admit this week that Blake Mitchell isn't far behind. So let's say for those dynasty formats out there, if you get to pick from the rookie class coming in here or this year's draft class, would you draft Teal ahead of Mitchell? And if so, how just how close is Mitchell to Teal as an overall prospect? So in my rankings, Kyle Teal is inside the top 10, in the back half of the top 10. And Blake Mitchell is between 10 and 15. So they're they're pretty close, right? That's not just catchers. That's like overall, um, they're, they're pretty close. So they're one, I would call them like one and then one, B2, like somewhere in there. Um, for me, for Dynasty, I'm still going to go with Kyle Teal. Here's why. The tools are pretty close. Um, if you want to split hairs, uh, Kyle Teal has a little less pop, but a little better hit tool. Speed is basically negligible. We're not really looking at that for catchers. Um, arm strength for Blake Mitchell is probably a little better. Um, but Catchers, as you know, Colby, take a while to mature, right? Because they're not only worried about hitting. They've also got to learn the staffs and call games. They've also got to learn a whole lot of nuances to catching, blocking, uh, you know, throwing out base runners. You got to, you know, receive it. Framing is still a part of the game. Um, So to me, I'm going to lean towards Kyle Teal, who's the older, more mature guy who already got seasoning in the ACC, which is – arguably the best college baseball you know conference it's either that or the sec so he's gotten some seasoning we've just seen um some college catchers take not very much time in the minors at all right adley rutschman this guy's not adley but we you know it wasn't in the minors very long um henry davis taken out of louisville not in the minors very long for the pirates right um so I'm going to go with Kyle Teal, not to say Blake Mitchell isn't great. He's got some fantastic tools. But as an 18-year-old high school kid, he's going to take some seasoning and pro ball that's going to keep him down in the farm a little longer. And we all know the shortage of catchers. So I'm going to go with a guy who's probably going to be down there 
less time in Kyle too. Two high school outfielders. They seem to be the consensus one and two, at least high school outfielders coming off the board in many mock drafts that you happen to see for the, the upcoming draft here and not too distant future. So we'll have this here, but Max Clark and Walker Jenkins appear to be the two high school outfielders that are getting the most pub. Uh, Walker Jenkins actually isn't all that far from me. Got to see a high school game of his this year. Uh, I was very impressed, as were the five or six scouts that were at that game, standing right nearby. Uh, got to see that, so that was pretty cool. But Max Clark, you had already written about him at Fantasy Alarm. So are you – let me let me say this. If you were an MLB evaluator, both of these guys were on the board, you were picking one of these two, would you take Max Clark over Walker Jenkins? And do you think Clark gets – do you actually think Clark gets drafted before Jenkins in the draft? I would take Max Clark over Jenkins. Here's why. I think Max Clark is a little more well-rounded across the board. Some of his tools are not as high as Jenkins, right? Jenkins has a couple of tools that are higher, but also a couple of tools that are lower, and there's some questions as to just how close he'll get to Max Clark, whereas there's projection left where his tools might go up. So if I was an evaluator, I would probably take Max Clark over Jenkins, that's not to say Jenkins is terrible. He's not. He probably goes one pick next, right? You're probably in a spot where back-to-back teams want one of these guys, and whoever has the first pick, they'll set her for the guy they want, right? Um, so I would say Max Clark is my top guy just because I, he's more well-rounded. He doesn't need one trait to keep carrying him while the others develop. He can use all of them to move uh, through the through the system and then as we're looking here with the draft upcoming i'm looking at the prospect report this week a lot of good information so make sure you go check that out over at fantasyalarm.com. and in this one you talk about best first round sleeper in the 2023 mlb draft there are some concerns if he gets drafted will he actually go to the bigs does he honor his commitment to uh College, so we'll have to see what happens here with him. But who do you think is the best first-round sleeper in the 2023 MLB draft? Maybe a name not enough people are talking about. Yeah, so it sounds weird to to say first-round sleeper. My wife also questioned me on the on the phrasing there. I said, well, you know, for dynasty people, a lot of us pay attention. Well, I pay attention to the whole draft, but uh, a lot of dynasty owners out there pay attention to who goes in the first round or competitive round B for their next. Uh, prospect that they're scooping up right and so the guys in the top five or top ten get all the attention but after that you find some really good guys you want to know who like Mike Trout went 25th the year he was drafted Steven Strasburg went first in that draft by the way Drew Storen went ahead of um, him. Randall Grichuk was was drafted by the Angels two spots before Trout was drafted by the Angels Okay, so it's an inexact science. But the guy that I really, really love in this class that I have absolutely fallen in love with uh, is Travis Sikora. He's a high school kid. He's 19, so he's a little on the older side for high school kids. He is 6'6", 240 as a 19-year-old. He is a man. All right, so he's got the size to be an ace. He has the stuff to be an ace. He has three pitches that are all at least above average, if not plus. Fastball is arguably double plus. Um, so he's got the stuff to be an ace. He's got the size to not have a problem. The only question is he is committed to Texas, which is his home state school. 
Uh, so the draw for playing for, you know, the horns now going to the SEC, by the way, uh, could be pretty could be pretty steep. So if a team can offer an over slot uh, bonus offer for him, I think they can get him. But I watch out for him for for dynasty managers. He should be higher on your radar because I'm this guy is uh, an ace in the making. I like that one as well. And of course, I said it multiple times, but head over to fantasyalarm.com. Not only can you get all of Matt's prospect information, rankings, reports, but a ton of other great content in there. But if you are in a dynasty league and you're looking for that hidden gem or maybe to gain an edge on your league mates, that's how you'll do it with Matt Sells' fantasy baseball prospect report over at fantasyalarm.com. So Matt, one guy who's in the league now, some guy named Shohei Otani. I've done the DFS podcast and the live stream on Better Sports Network and Fantasy Alarm with James Grande here for the past couple of days. And he posed an interesting tweet of saying, is Otani the greatest player of all time? And when you think about it, are there going to be hitters better than him statistically? Yes. Are there going to be pitchers better than him statistically? Yes. Nobody's doing both to this level. Like, do can are we even appreciating enough the world we're living in and what we are seeing right now on the diamond in Los Angeles. No, I, I don't think so. Um, he's just spectacular and he's getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a tweet the other, uh, yesterday, actually, uh, he, he pitched to Louise Robert, which means the MLB home run leader was pitching to the guy who was second in the American league in home runs. Yeah. Shohei Otani has 27 home runs, which is five better than Luis Robert Jr. of the White Sox. So the pitcher who is leading, not in home runs given up, home runs hit. <laughs> it's just mind-boggling, right? Um, and the last time, by the way, that a starting pitcher had 10 strikeouts in a game and at least one home run in a game, the last American League pitcher to do that, you have to go back to when CC Sabathia was pitching for the Indians. And he hit in Dodger Stadium because they were playing an NL team and they still had to bat pitchers. I know that's a foreign concept to some of you new people, but that guy's been retired for years. The team that he pitched for changed its name. <laughs> and that wasn't even, what, how many teams ago? Was that three for him? Um, yeah. Otani's ridiculous. He's consider just... consider this too okay so i'm looking over here at his pitching numbers he also leads his... the angels in basically every statistical <laughs> category except for saves and holds how dare he get pitch 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 the ninth inning Shohei. Yeah. one time get Ronde a couple, and get a i joked that he should just do his bullpen work between starts on the mound and get credit <laughs> for holds yeah mine as well get out there and just just fully I mean, they go need bullpen help snap. so why not yeah why Just not let him tweak a pitch on the mound in a major league game? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And when you look here, I mean, in terms of ERA, like he's in 16th in the league, 302, very good. He trails only Spencer Strider and Kevin Gossman in terms of his total strikeout. So like he's he's near the top of pitching categories. Then you go to the, his, the, the offense when he actually has the bat in his hands. As you said, he already leads uh, Major League Baseball in home runs. He's second in RBIs. He's honestly... He's very well within striking distance of the AL Triple Crown. Yeah. 
Can you imagine if he goes out there and just, let's say, I don't know if he'll actually lead the league in strikeouts. There's some, you know, with guys like Spencer Strider in there, it's going to be kind of tough to do that. But he could win the American League Triple Crown, post a sub three ERA and lead Major League Baseball. And if not Major League Baseball, his, his main competition for strikeouts in the American League is Kevin Gossman. He could win the American League Triple Crown, have the most strikeouts potentially in Major League Baseball, but maybe very well so the American League, not to mention a sub three ERA. Here's my question. Can he win both triple crowns in the same year? Pitching triple crown is wins, strikeouts, and ERA. So in terms of wins, McClanahan's at 11, a couple guys there at seven, but some of those guys will fizzle out like Dean Kramer and Chris Bassett and Dane Dunning aren't going to stay there. So they'll go a little bit. In terms of ERA, he, ERA is going to be his biggest problem, I think. That's just the one right now where he's the farthest away, and there's guys right. that are just pretty low. So I think that one could be tough. But I mean, <laughs> I, uh, let me take the cop out answer. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him because he's well, the only one with a chance. The only one with a chance. <laughs> but like, it's he's it's fathomable, ridiculous. My question is, does he stay in LA? Well, at the end of this, like. Yeah, I don't think he's getting traded at this point because the Angels are well within playoff distance. But does he stay? Do they fork out? What I can only imagine would have to be at least five hundred million, if not six hundred million. Do you think? Do you think Shohei Otani could write an article on like fantasy football sleepers and busts? Yes, I think I think so too. Now he's not doing it in our fantasy alarm. Uh, fantasy football draft guy. But if you do want to get some analysis, not from Shohei Otani, but from the likes of Kevin Tompkins, Britt Flynn, Britt Flynn, Andrew Cooper, Howard Bender, and the whole Fantasy Alarm team, head on over to FantasyAlarm.com. You can get access to the NFL Draft Guide for free when you start a free seven-day trial with any subscription, or you can purchase it for $26.99. Sleepers, busts, rankings, bold predictions, positional breakdowns. I'm going to try to talk Texans in there as much as I can. So you can get that all over at fantasyalarm.com. But Matt, heading into the weekend, fantasy baseball managers, they need their weekend streamers. They maybe need a waiver wire, bat, or arm. So to close out this week, let me just start with this. Garrett Cooper is a guy that needs to be picked up. We just talked about Shohei Otani, and over the last calendar week, Garrett Cooper trails only Otani in batting average and OPS, and he's got a seven-game hit streak, and he is finally elevating the baseball the launch angle is in double digits after quite a few years in the single digits garrett cooper guy to know jazz chisholm is back for that lineup too gives them a little juice so go check out garrett cooper 30 percent owned in fan tracks leagues i didn't look at espn but knowing how espn typically shakes out probably very much lower than that uh matt who's a streamer that you are looking at or i'm sorry a, a waiver wire guy that you're looking at adding so for a waiver wire guy we're going back to pitching we're going to go with a guy who gives us a little bit of everything. It's Justin Lawrence in Colorado. I know. Rockies pitchers. Whores. I got it. But this guy's got five saves, seven holds, three wins. So you're getting a little bit of everything out of him. Uh, he's got a 293 ERA. Granted, it's bolstered by a .47 mark on the road. So there is that. But he's striking out more than a guy per nine innings, which is excellent for a reliever. He's doing a little bit of everything. They're using him. The Rockies are playing some some decent baseball right now. Um, and any game that they're going to win is going to be close, which means he should have a decent amount of save chances. Uh, and we could all use a guy who just 
gets us a little bit of everything on our pitching staff. So Justin Lawrence, he's owned, I think, 24% in Fantrax leagues, I believe. That Yeah, go scoop him up. He's going to cost you nothing. If your fantasy baseball team is like rocks in a jar, Lawrence can be the sand. He'll fill in the little nooks and crannies, give you a little bit of everything. And for He's this the week, marshmallow and the s'mores on my food for thought. There you go. Throwing back to the, <laughs> the earlier edition of yes. this week. But our combined weekend streamer, we came together on this one for the pod. It's going to be Paul Blackburn, 38% owned over on Fantrax. He's got a 2.40 ERA at home. And here in the month of June, even four ERA with over a strikeout printing. Yes, the White Sox are worse against lefties, but sometimes from a streamer, all you want is a little floor and some reliability, and Blackburn has been that of late. So take a look at Paul Blackburn. And of course, head over to fantasyalarm.com. If you use promo code ALARM50, you get 50% off six months of all access, which gives you access to our award-winning DFS Playbook Pro, access to Discord, exclusive DFS tools, features, and more. And of course, get your hands on the fantasy alarm fantasy football draft guide so matt we got about 10 15 seconds here any parting any parting thoughts for the people out there except that they should follow you at the salesman on twitter um yeah check out what i'm grilling later this week um grilling up some italian beef for those of you in chicago you should know what that is it's going to be a delicious sandwich there you go. Make sure you check that out, as well as all the great content over at FantasyAlarm.com. Best of luck this weekend with your streamers. And again, get your hands on the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Draft Guide and all the great fantasy baseball content we have there. But for Matt Sells, at The Salesman on Twitter, I'm Colby Conway, at Colby R. Conway. And we will see you early next week with the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hardy's signature Frisco burger and Frisco breakfast sandwich are the kind of goodness people drive across town for. Classic favorites on a toasted sourdough bun. Only at Hardy's. Goodness in the making. Participation may vary.